Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How many is glad to be in church tonight? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So thankful to be in the house of the Lord. Lord bless you. You can be seated for a few moments. And uh, so thankful for all of God's blessings. God has truly been good to me. And I always tell the church at home when I'm preaching, I said, if you're looking for somebody to complain about God, you're looking at the wrong person. I'm a satisfied customer. Amen. I'm a satisfied customer in serving the Lord. God has been good to me. I don't deserve God's goodness and His blessings, but truly today I am so thankful and uh, so thankful for the opportunity to be here. And this is my first time to ever come, and I hate to admit that I had to get an invitation to come preach before I ever showed up. But Brother Morton, when he called me, he said, I'd like you to come preach. Have you ever been to West Coast? I guess he would have changed his mind when I told him. I said, no, sir, I've never been. So, But he had already asked me, and he couldn't get out of it. But anyway, but it is good to be here tonight, and I appreciate uh, everyone's kindness and uh, how you've made us feel very welcome. And I, I want to thank especially Brother Morton for the invitation to be here. And I hope when I get through, I'm still able to thank him for the invitation to be here. And it was a, I guess, about a year ago this time that he called me. And uh, a man of that caliber calling you to ask you to come preach was was um, a great a great step in my life. And uh, this is a man I've not known very long, but I have known of him for many, many years, and uh, I esteem him very highly. And uh, I don't know who those people were he called, but if he'll give me their name after church, I'll give them a pat on the back, and they're good people. They're my best friends. <clears throat> he just didn't call enough people. or he'd have... <laughs> But uh, anyway, thank you, Brother Morton. Appreciate you. And uh, the time that we have spent together, he had said that they came down, uh, Brother Elder Brother Morton and, and uh, young, well, that's not right. Um, I would say young Brother Morton, but the younger Brother Morton and uh, came down and uh, his wife and uh, spent some time this summer with us at Gulf Coast Youth Camp. And we had such a wonderful time. And the uh, Lord bless them. I want to thank everyone. This, this has been first class. Has this not been first class? Amen. Praise God. And everything has been so nice. They've taken very good care of us. And we do appreciate it. Again, I would like to say to uh, Brother Nathan Morton and his wife, for, uh, thanks for uh, taking time with us and taking care of us. We appreciate it very, very much. The singing. Man, I've enjoyed the singing. And I want to let you all in on a little secret now. When that choir sings next time and they get to that part where they go over and over and over, we call that in the South, that's a praise break. That's when you start shouting and worshiping and magnifying God. And if you'd have done that, I wouldn't even have to be up here tonight. 
Y'all remember that next time. <clears throat> but anyway, thank God for the choir, all the good special singing. The singing today was outstanding and uh, enjoyed that. And uh, I tell you what, some of those songs, some of those songs, I told somebody last night or night before, I can't remember when it was, I said, that song is so old, it's new again. Man, it's been a long time since I've heard some of those songs at meetings, and uh, they still mean something. I'm not against new stuff, but let's don't get rid of what works. Amen. There's some things that still works. Praise God. Praise God. And, and it's all been so well. And uh, I'd like to say to the ministers that have preached, has done such a wonderful job, and uh, Brother Bertram, uh, Brother Bertram, and I go way back, and uh, I was just, uh, I knew him when I was a small child, and uh, he was a grown adult, but he'd done such a wonderful job in challenging us and uh, getting us stirred up about winning the loss. That is the passion of Christ, and it should be the passion of saints of God. Amen. It should be the passion of saints of God to reach the loss. Now, I'm not good with these names, but Brother Montano, Mon- whatever. I, I, was, I, I got called on. I have a friend um, that uh, I've met there in uh, Silsby, and, and uh, his mother passed away, and he's a Spanish guy, and he asked me would I preach his mother's funeral. And she was Catholic, so we had a Pentecostal Catholic funeral. And uh, how, however you do that. It wasn't quite as interesting as some of Brother Ham's funerals, but we did have one. And they gave me a list of names, and they said, these are the people we want you to call out. And I looked at those names. I said, I'm sorry. I said, you know, I've got a better idea. Why don't one of you come up here and read these names off? That way we won't get them mixed up. But he done such a wonderful job preaching. Amen. This, this world is in a terrible, terrible shape. But thank God there is still a church. There's still a people of God. Amen. Amen. And Brother Parker, Brother Parker's still killing those bears. And every time he, he gets after one, it's always good. Appreciate Brother Parker. And my friend, Brother Ham. I'm glad to be called a friend of Brother Ham. He done such an outstanding job. And I want to tell you, if you're starting out serving God, or if you've been serving God for years, you need to grasp hold of what the preacher preached last night. Amen. That'll keep you. Amen. Amen. Thank God for the mercy and the grace of God. And uh, Brother Marler, Brother Marler is just, he's Brother Marler every time. And he does such a wonderful job. And he'll make you, he'll make you laugh. And he'll make you cry. And uh, I tell you, I appreciate Brother Marler, a great elder, man of God, and uh, preached this gospel for many, 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 many years. And still, man, he still has some fire in his step. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Marler, for the word of the Lord. And uh, to my fellow ministers of the gospel, Lord bless you for being in the house of God tonight and uh, laborers together. And along with Brother Morton, to the wonderful saints of God. If it was not for the saints of God, we'd be in a terrible fix. 
Well, look at all of us. We wouldn't even have a job. Somebody, somebody's got to come to church and, and uh, give us somebody to preach to. I, I can remember when I was young, I started preaching and, and um, I'd preach in the car and I'd be going down the road just a screaming in the, in the windshield and people would pass me and think you guys own something. And uh, I was, I was on the Holy Ghost and uh, trying to get prepared. And uh, <clears throat> some of you after tonight might wish I would have stayed in the car. But <clears throat> I, I had a, a radio broadcast. I was a big radio evangelist. And, uh, man, I was, I was in uh, 23 different states. And uh, I was in six different countries. The only thing at it, it was, it was about three o'clock in the morning with nobody listening. But <clears throat> I was, I was doing that and I had these, these 15 minute, uh, segments. So I'd go in the church and I'd turn on the tape recorder and for 15 minutes I was burning it up in front of nobody. And, uh, so if you get too quiet tonight, I'm used to preaching to quiet people. But I am thankful for the saints of God. Amen. Thank God for good saints that come every service that are faithful to the house of the Lord. Amen. Thank you so much. And um, I, I want to um, say thanks to Brother Morton and this local church that worked so hard together for this conference. Lord bless you so very much. Everything is just, just lovely. And I'm sure there's not been a problem I can't believe there was a problem at the hotel. I can't imagine that. With that many kids running around, I can't believe they would be noisy. But I was in the hotel room praying today, and, man, I heard the roar, and I said, Oh, God, I'm getting a word from the Lord. And I got to listening, and it was a bunch of kids in the lobby hollering and screaming and a clapping. I thought it was the host of the armies of the Lord coming to support me tonight. But maybe you come to support me tonight. And uh, but anyway, thank God. <clears throat> I want to thank thank. Uh, so glad that my wife is here tonight, and um, so thankful uh, that she was able to to make it. And so if everybody else is ashamed of me tonight, she might be, but she's not going to tell me. And good to have my daughter Tiffany. And uh, this is one of my daughters. The Lord bless me. Uh, and um, that old saying is, uh, let me give you a word, a word of wisdom here. When all of you young guys get married, keep the faith. The next one will be a boy. After four, I gave up. God blessed me with four girls. And, but he is blessing me with, uh, with males in the family, just not the way that I expected. And, but anyway, I'm glad that she's here in Lorraine. My, my brother's daughter is here with us and a couple young ladies from the church made the trip. <laughs> that's not a, that's not a good sign when only two from your local church can show up to hear you preach. But they figure they've already heard it before anyway. I'm glad that they're here with us and, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad that I'm here and I'm be glad when this is over. But, I do have a testimony I'd like to share with you before I go to the Word of the Lord. And um, I, I have 
a wonderful uh, testimony, and uh, that is for about a year and a half back, uh, go back to July, and a year and a half prior to that, I think it was, we was going through a terrible situation with uh, my daughter Tiffany that is here tonight, and um, she had developed, we were out riding bikes the first time this had happened, and when we realized there was a problem, her blood pressure had always been a little high as a child, and uh, <clears throat> she made mine high, so I made hers high. And uh, so we were uh, riding, and when we got through riding, she, she fell and kind of, she said, everything's okay, I just, I just fell, but it was like something was wrong. And then we got her to the house, and I got dressed and went on about my, my activities of the day, and she called me. And uh, crying on the phone, she said, I don't know what's going on. Something's happening. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm scared. I need you to get back to the house. So I was out of the area, so I called her mother. And uh, we got to the house as quick as we could, and we rushed her to the emergency room, which started a year and a half of tests with doctors and different specialists trying to figure out what was going on. And um, it... it she she was having some kind of heart condition, and her blood pressure was going very high, and uh, her heart rate was going, um, it would be just spiking over 200 at times and cause her to faint and pass out. She leads a choir at church and, and uh, plays the organ at church, and we were, we were sitting in the office with the cardiologist, and they were putting a monitor on her to monitor her first time we went. And um, he said, what, what triggers this? I said, well, really, any kind of activity when it really gets stirred up is at church. He said, at church? I said, yes, sir. He said, what does she do at church? I said, well, she sings and plays the organ. And he said, isn't that really? I said, well, we are Pentecostal. And, and so we do things a little bit different. It's not your normal... I said, we get excited. And uh, so they put the heart monitor on her. And just so happens about 7, 7 o'clock on that first Sunday evening, the doctor was watching her monitor on his screen at home. And uh, he calls and he says, what is Tiffany doing? I said, at 7 o'clock. I said, she's playing the organ. He said, my Lord, how does she play the organ? And uh, I said, well, I told you we're Pentecostal. You just got to come see it. And uh, you got to experience it. But anyway, uh, he could not figure out the problem, so he sent us to a specialist in Houston. And him and the doctor there in Beaumont began to uh, talk and talk about different tests that they could run. And um, they thought they had a problem figured out. And I hate to be going so long, but it's, it's a great miracle to me. It may not mean anything to you, but it does to me. And um, so we went over and over and over. So this goes on for months. And finally they come back and they said, we're going to do another test. And this test is a serious test that we're going to be looking for a very rare disease, which is, he gave some big long medical term, not good with that either. And um, he said, but what it amounts to is tumors in your heart. He said, now, if we find these, they're sometimes malignant, sometimes they're not malignant, but at all times they can be fatal. 
And uh, so I, I really got serious about it. And uh, I called a couple of my friends, and they began to pray with me and, and uh, help us. And I do appreciate that very much. But we'd done the test, and uh, they said, well, we've ruled that out. So that was, that was a miracle. But they had to up her blood pressure medicine. Her blood pressure was over in, in the 160s on two medications a day, and her heart rate was still going crazy. And uh, so it was just a, a terrible deal. She could not do anything. She would just lay around, could not, uh, was not active. And, um, but she went to, to Pete this year, and uh, Brother Endress was preaching about the miracle-working power of God. I was not there. And uh, she called me at the end of service, and she said, Daddy, said I, I felt... Or she was texting me while the end of service, it was, service was going on. She said, but they prayed for me. And I felt that God touched me. And uh, so I said, well, she said, I, I just felt something happen. And uh, she said, I, they had her on a strict diet. And this is what she was thinking about. She said, I want to go eat. <laughs> I said, well, do whatever you feel like doing. And so she went and ate two cheeseburgers. And uh, the next, that evening, she said, told her mama, she said, I'm not going to take my medication. And um, so the next day she got up and she took her blood pressure and her blood pressure was somewhere in the 140s without taking the medication that night. Her heart rate had come down a little bit. The next day she comes home and she takes her blood pressure and on Sunday, that was on Thursday, on Sunday, every day it got lower and lower and lower. On, on Monday morning, we was driving to youth camp uh, there at Gulf Coast. And, and on Monday morning, I was in the motorhome driving over, and they were coming later on the bus with the church group. And... And she sent me a picture, raising her hand, a picture of the, the heart rate monitor and a picture of her blood pressure. Her blood pressure was 121 over 70-something. Her heart rate was 70-something. It was early in the morning. I started texting preachers, waking them up. I said, man, you got to look at this picture. And uh, she went, she went to youth camp now in, in Texas, or we were in Louisiana right on the Texas border down on the Gulf. It is hot. It is hot, 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 hot humidity. And anything like that was very disturbing to her and would mess her up for days. And she was there shouting, worshiping God, sweating. Out in the heat all day long, her blood pressure never went up. Her heart rate never went up. To this day, God's still on the throne. No medication. Hallelujah! We're still serving a miracle-working God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And uh, so... So we went back to see the doctor. We had a doctor's appointment 
right after youth camp was over. And uh, so so uh, they come in and they've done an EKG. They took her blood pressure and everything, and her blood pressure was down. Her heart rate was down. The doctor comes in and he says, Tiffany, everybody in the doctor's office knew us. We'd been in there all the, for, for a year and a half, just about every three or four weeks. And um, he said, Tiffany said, your blood pressure's down. That medicine is really doing the job. Your heart rate looks good. And uh, so we started kind of grinning at each other. And I said, go ahead, Tiffany. You want to tell him what happened? And uh, so she told him about going to church and told him about what happened. And the doctor, I thought he was going to start crying. And she said, I haven't taken any medicine in almost three weeks. He said, I tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to refund the insurance on that EKG. I'm going to give you your copay back. And said, you know, said, I would keep your medicine for a couple of weeks and, you know, kind of feel it out. And if everything's okay, let your parents make the decision. He walks out of the room and he comes back in and he said, you know, he said, I'm a Christian. He said, God don't need a backup plan. You can go ahead and throw it all away. When God does it, God does it right. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. We've got a miracle working God we're serving. Hallelujah. While you're standing tonight, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. It's good to have Brother Blakely here tonight, and uh, he may not want everybody to know this, but uh, his mother and my daddy were brothers and sisters, so that makes us a little kin, and um, so I am thankful for him, thankful for the positive influence that he has had in my life. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 17, and... I know that may not have been the appropriate time to share that with you, but I tell you what, I just feel like giving God praise. Every opportunity we get. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to read some scripture here, and uh, we'll get back to this scripture a little later. But the Bible says in verse number 17, Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you? Barabbas, or Jesus, which is called Christ. For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent him to him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priest and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whither of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said Barabbas. Now go back to verse 20. And see what happened. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude 
And then in verse 21, they said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, they all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And then look at verse 25. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and our children. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands toward heaven and ask God for His help today. God, we need You. We need Your help. I need Your help, God. I need the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Jesus. I am nothing without You. I can do nothing without You. My faith and my confidence is not in my ability, but it is in You, Jesus. Oh, help us today, God. I pray that You would anoint me to preach Your Word. Anoint Your people to hear Your Word, to respond to Your Word, to be a doer of the Word. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. I want to to uh, share a little story with you and then I will get to my title and I'll come back to the scripture that I've read a little later in what I would have to say to you today. There was a young lady named Jessica Chambers. Some of you might remember the story. Some of you might have read about it. It was a very well-known story at the time that it happened. Jessica graduated from high school with A's and B's. She was a cheerleader on the high school cheerleading squad. She held down a job at the age of 19 years old. She was a nice-looking, young, blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl that was raised in a relatively nice home and family. They may not have had all the nicer things in life, but she had a pretty good life. But one said that this was an article that was written in People magazine, I believe it was, that she began to run with a rough crowd at times. Not all the times, but just every once in a while. She had a rough bunch that she would hang around with. An ex-boyfriend of hers said, I think she was making friends with the wrong type of people. Still, he said, I don't believe she'd done anything to ever deserve what happened to her. See, what happened to this young lady was on the eve of December the 6th, 2014, someone found Jessica on the side of the road, rolling and tumbling, stumbling blindly as she was on fire. The side of the road in a small town in Mississippi 
They called 911. They flew the helicopter in to take her to Memphis, Tennessee, to the medical center. There, having burns on 98% of her body, the doctors could do nothing but simply wrap her in gauze and pray for the best and fear for the worst. When you read the end of the story of Jessica's life, you will find nothing good happened in that story. But at 2.37 a.m., Jessica slipped out of this life into eternity. It was said that when they all got together, the investigation went forth to find out who and what had happened, what caused this, who was a person who was responsible for this. It was none other than the crowd that she was hanging around with at times. You see, what happened in her life was that ever now and then crowd became a very big part of her all-the-time crowd. She started messing with things she should not be messing with. She started taking things she should not be taking. Now, I'm not saying that this tragic situation was ever deserved by anything that Jessica did. But I tell you this story to remind you that it does make a difference who and what you decide to link up with. Amen. Come to find out when the investigation was going on, they found out that it was none other than a friend, a boyfriend, someone that she relied on, someone that she confided in, someone that she thought was her very dear friend. One man said something like this, dealing with peer pressure and dealing with the problems of society, said you will only... You will only ever be as great as the people that you surround yourself with. So be brave enough to let go of those who keep bringing you down. Now... With that introduction, I want to try my best to preach to you what I feel so desperately that God has laid on my heart. I didn't come with an axe to grind tonight. I didn't come with a vendetta against anybody or any group or any person in this house tonight. But I have sought the Lord desperately with tears, with fasting, with studying. And this is what I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart to preach. Some of it you might like, some of it you may not like. But I tell you, when I leave here, I'm going to feel like, without a doubt, I've done exactly what I feel the Lord has laid on my heart to preach to you tonight. I want to preach to you from this subject, carried by the crowd. 
There is an influence that comes with people. Amen. There is something that is called in the sports world that is called the home field advantage. What is that? How does that work? How is that possible? What takes place? What takes place is nobody sitting in the bleacher ever plays a game. They are sitting there. They are cheering for their home team. They are rooting them on. And it is the power. It is the energy. It is the atmosphere that is in the building that some way a pitcher can pitch better when he's at home. A hitter can hit better when he's at home. A runner can run faster when he's at home. A quarterback is calmer when he's at home. What is it about that? It is a power. It is an energy in a group of people that has come together for one purpose and one goal in mind. I come to tell you tonight that when we come together in the house of God, that's the reason why the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen. As some people are doing, as we get close to the end time, people are saying that we need less church. I say, no, we don't need less church. Sunday morning and Sunday night is still not too much church. Amen. There is something that happens when God's people comes together. No, it cannot be considered like a football game. It cannot be compared to a basketball game. It's nothing like the sports arena. But there is something about the power of God that takes place in the house of God. Can you pray at home? Yes, you can pray at home. Can you touch God at home? Yes, you can touch God at home. Oh, but there is nothing like when the saints of God come together to worship, to magnify, to praise, and to lift up the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The power of the crowd. I don't know what it is about people. I don't know what it is about myself. Sometimes I find myself doing something and I say, Why are you doing that, Looper? What's going on in your head? But how many times have you seen it? I was watching it today also. But have you seen it that someone would start going through a door. There will be six doors. And there will be a line of people going through one door. We are creatures of habit. There's a lot of people that just follows the crowd. Wherever the crowd goes, that's where I'm going. I found it kind of interesting and comical that Brother Morton, when I got here, he said, let's go over to the convention center. He said, I want to show you where we're going to have church. And we walked over and we was talking. 
He said, all you have to do tonight is just follow the crowd. I thought I said, I hope the crowd's going in the right direction. Amen. Not knowing him, not knowing what I was going to preach. And I just said, man, the man is a prophet of God. I just got a word from God. He said, just follow the crowd. But you look at it, there'll be two, two escalators going in the same direction. There'll be one that is full and the other couple of people on it. How many times have you been to the airport and you wait in a line and you look over there and there's somebody at the counter and said, I can help you, sir. There's a hundred people in one line. Now I have the great ability that when I go to Walmart, when I go to the grocery store, whatever line I get in is the long line. Somebody's going to get in front of me with 10,000 coupons. And they're going to save a nickel on a $100 bill. I'm saying, I'll just give you the quarter, man. I'll give you a quarter if you'll just throw away the coupons. I have the ability that whatever one I get in, it seems like the cash register is going to run out of money. And there I am standing because we're impatient. But, but people are... Our creatures of habit just follow, just stagger along. How many times have you been in the mall and people just walking? They're not going anywhere. They're just walking. Why? Because somebody started walking in that direction. In our prayer room at home, we have a prayer room that we come to, and we have one direction that we walk. Anybody that comes there and walks the wrong direction, we know that they are a newcomer. Amen. Because we know what way to walk when we go to the, the prayer room. We don't know why we walk that way. It's just the way somebody started walking. There's not a sign that says, wrong direction. Don't walk this way. It's just the way that we started walking. And every time when we come in there, I go in there by myself. I'm scared to death to turn around and walk the other direction. I'm scared I'll undo all those prayers. People of habit, creatures of habit, people that follow. There's not, there's not too many natural born leaders in society today. There's a lot of people that will follow the crowd. There's a lot of people that will go in any direction the crowd goes. There's not too many Winston Churchills created today's society. What we would give for another one like him. I hope that all of y'all is conservative tonight. What we would give for another Ronald Reagan that was able to go against the crowd. Didn't matter what they said was possible. He said, I'm going to do it the way that I think it ought to be done. And he said, tear down that wall. Amen. I want to tell you today, there's not a lot of natural born leaders, but that is something that we need to grasp hold of in serving God. You can't just live anyway. You can't just walk anyway. You can't just go anyway. There's still a right way, and there's still a wrong way. There's still a right direction, and there's still a wrong direction. Amen. I would like to try to make an appeal and a call to a younger generation tonight. Now, I can't 
We have good elders in this house tonight, and I'm not addressing them at all. But to my age group and younger that are ministers of the gospel, some of you that's a few years older, wouldn't matter if you heard me or not, but it might do you some good. But I would like to make a call to you tonight. It disturbs me. And I, I, I'm fine with this. And I, I have close friends. And I have close friends that are my age. But when all we surround ourselves is with our peers. I didn't expect you to jump and shout on that one. But it'd be a good place to jump and shout. Amen. When we surround ourselves with everybody that is just like us. And think just like us. And act just like us. That's the same age as we are. And we have nobody in our life that is an older statesman. An older gentleman. An older preacher of the gospel. That would sometimes nudge us and say, hey, now I'm not going to agree with you. I can surround myself with friends that I can talk to and, and they can agree with me. And I say, come on, man, don't you see it my way? We're all the same age. We're all trying to do the same thing. But it's good to have someone in your life that you're not just going downstream all the time, but you've got somebody in your life that will tell you no. That would tell you that's not the direction to go. The new age, new ideas, new ways of doing things sometimes make me very nervous and uncomfortable. The crowd of popular opinion will lead you down a wrong road of getting up every morning and deciding what direction the wind is blowing before you make a stand and go your way to see what everybody wants to do, to stand up in your pulpit by popular opinion and public opinion, making statements for a church in the direction that the church will go. I want to tell you today, you need to surround yourself with not with people of just your age, but you need some people that's been there, that's done that, that's seen it happen, and got the suit coat to prove it. Amen. If not, we have young men of God. I am, I am, I am so excited about the men of God, the preaching ability, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost that are on young men. But at the same time, I am scared, I am fearful, and I am afraid of directions and people that have influence in their life and what it's all about. Amen. Preaching was never intended to be pretty. Preaching was never intended to be just on your ability. But preaching was intended, amen, for the perfect 
lifting of the saints. And when you start surgery, surgery's not pretty. Amen. Operating time is not pretty. Preaching is not always pretty. Amen. We need a man of God that will stand in the pulpit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like, I like to ride bikes, not motorbikes, but bicycles. Now, before your mind goes to wondering, no, I do not wear my tight little shorts and my tight little shirt. <laughs> but I like to ride. I was riding in a ride one time. I was going from... Um, from Houston to New Orleans. Now, if you don't know how far that is, that's 533 miles. On a bicycle, that's equivalent to like 10,000 miles in a car. Trust me. I know. You got the T-shirt to prove that. Amen. But <clears throat> I, I was by myself. And I, I have ridden a lot. And... Uh, I, I knew I knew about these things, and I knew the first thing I wanted to do is I wanted to find a group of riders that would ride about the same speed that I could ride. And we all had a lot in common. We were all going to the same place, and we was all going, we were stopping at the same stops, and, and uh, we had all of these things going together because there is a thing called drafting. That when you are riding a bicycle, if you are on a bicycle and you get in a group of people of about 20 people, now now you take turns of being out front, and they call that pulling. You've got to pull the load. So so when but but when you are in the middle, man, it's a joy ride. You don't have to pedal too much. You don't have to do anything too much. You just sit there. And relax as much as you can on that bicycle. But you sit there and you enjoy the scenery because the vacuum, the pull that they are creating with their bodies and what they're doing is just making you coast right along. That's the reason why geese fly, fly like that. You know the reason why there's more geese? You know the one line is, is longer than the other line on geese? Because there's more geese in one line than there is the other side. But... But so, so you just, you just coast along and it pulls you along. But you better make sure that they are headed in the direction that you're going. You better make sure all of you have the same destination in mind. I have seen some people that I can get in amongst them and I can coast and there's not a lot of work going on, but when I come to my senses, I realize, hey, we're not headed in the same direction. I don't have the same ideas. I don't have the same goal in mind. Amen. I still think the Bible has called us to come out from among the world and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Amen. You see, there's some things, there's some things that a young man can't give you, young preacher, myself included, that an elder can't. You see, we've come up in a better time 
than the time that Brother Marler was talking about today. I've never left the house with a few coins in my pocket. Always when I went evangelizing, I had a place to go. I had the means to get there. And if it didn't work out, I had Mama that would send me a credit card to get me back home. Amen. You see, I didn't ever have to go through some of the things that my daddy went through as a 15-year-old young man preaching the gospel that prayed and God sent somebody that bought him a tent that would seat 1,500 people that bought him a semi-truck that would pull the tent and a travel trailer that he could stay in and a car to pull the travel trailer with. I don't have that testimony. I never had to go there. But I am thank God that I had a man that would tell me, Hey, i got some stories to tell you. Brother Marler told us about some stories today that God will help you. There's some things that elders can give you, young men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, there's some things that's happening in society today that are the same girl, just in a different dress. They've already seen it. They've already experienced it. They've already seen it happen. And they know what the outcome is. But they've dressed it up in a different dress, a different suit. And everybody's losing their mind about it and going crazy over it. That's the reason why we need godly men that fear God, that love God, that has our best interest in heart, that would lead us and guide us. We must submit ourselves unto them. Thank God for a preacher. Thank God for my pastor. I'm thankful for my pastor. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for the day that my pastor, which just so happens to be my father-in-law and my dad before him, my dad has gone on to meet the Lord, but my father-in-law, I'm thankful for the day he stood me and my wife, Jody, and he said, he didn't say Brother Looper and Sister Looper. He said, Homer and Jody... I don't want you going where you was last night. And I'm thinking, oh, my Lord, tell them we wasn't somewhere bad. They think this is awful. We wasn't somewhere bad. But we had went to one of those singings that Brother Martin was talking about in one of those charismatic churches. You know, I could have got upset and I said, you know, I got some friends my age that don't think that's a bad idea. But I said, no, if you tell me not to go, I'm not going to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Young men that have a desire to serve God and to preach the gospel. Get a man in your life. Submit to the man of God in your life. Get an elder that will tell.
If we're not careful, we'll be tossed about with every wind of doctrine. Amen. Amen. I'm reminded the danger you see. If we're not very careful, being young men, and, you know, I, I don't know. I, somebody asked me. I showed up the other day at the church. And I had bought me a yellow four-wheel drive truck. And so when I come out, somebody said, are you going through your midlife crisis? I said, no, that's when I get a red Corvette. But, but I said, you know, somebody asked me, asked me that, and I thought it was kind of comical. I said, nah, you know, really, the reason why I bought it, I like red. That's my color now. I like, I like red. Red tie. I would have wore a red suit, but I'm scared to do that. <laughs> but, but I said, you know, the reason why I did that is because my kids went out there and they said, Oh, Daddy, I like that yellow four-wheel drive truck. That's cool, man. You look cool in a four-wheel drive yellow truck. So I bought me a four-wheel drive yellow truck. And I look cool in a four-wheel drive yellow truck, so my kids say. But you know, that's a scary thing. Because if we're not very careful as being ministers of the gospel, we might think to fit in with today's society. We've got to take off the necktie. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. We got to raise our britches legs up about six inches too short. Our pants about three sizes too small. And look like a clown sitting on a bar stool somewhere. Because we're trying to appeal to the crowd. Oh, I'm going to get nicer here in a little bit. But I tell you what, I am so stirred up in my spirit. I've talked to friends. I've had friends that i talked to. And I said, man, you got to break contact with them. Ah, you know, I, I'm okay. I'm okay to only hear the phone call. You know, hey, man, I thought I'd let you know. I decided to do things a little bit different. You can be seated. Trying to appeal to the younger generation. But let me tell you, I like nice things. I like nice clothes. I am a lover of shoes. I'm about as bad as my wife. No, I only have, never mind. And she has a bunch. <laughs> Mine's in a little section of the closet. Her take a big section of the closet. But <clears throat> enough said about that. You better quit meddling. But I, I, I like these things. I like nice things. But I will not compromise the pulpit. Hear me, young preacher. Hear me what I'm saying to you. I'm not being mean. I'm not trying to be hard. But this is a holy, sacred death. This 
this is a holy, sacred book. You were called by a holy God to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's some things we just can't do. There's some things we don't do. I'm reminded of a story in the Bible in 1 Kings, the 12th chapter. Solomon is gone. There is a problem in the kingdom. There is Rehoboam, and then there is Jeroboam. Jeroboam had fled, and he brings his company of people back before Rehoboam. And he asked them, he said, Rehoboam, I want to know. Now your daddy taxed us. Your daddy put pressure on us to cause us to do what we've done. Now I want to know what you're going to do. Rehoboam went and he took counsel of the wise elders. They told him, said, now what you want to do is you can become a servant today. And those people will serve you the rest of your life. And then Rehoboam went to the younger men, his peers, and he asked them, what shall I do? And they said, man, you need to tell them that what your daddy done is not a drop in the bucket to what you're going to do. And he took the counsel of the young men. The Bible said in verse number 8, But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which had given him the counsel with the young men, and were grown up with him. He heard the counsel of the young men that had grown up with him. He forsook their counsel. What did this cost? Rehoboam, what did this cause the children of Israel? It caused a split. It caused a conflict. Through this wrong decision, many, 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 many wars, many fights, thousands of people lost their life. Bitterness, hatred, jealousy, idolatry was on every hand. Other sins that we cannot mention was a direct result of the decision that Rehoboam made by forsaking the council. There seemed to be no end to the harm that was done in Israel by the folly of one man. Before I leave this subject, what will... Pentecost look like in ten years from now. You know, Brother Marler's already said that he was over the edge of the rainbow. Brother Morton, as full of energy you are, as you are, there's going to come a day that Elder Morton's not going to be here. Some of these other good elders, you may not be sitting on the platform. Tonight, and I'm scared to get into all this elder business because some of them might get offended. Hair might deceive you. See, I'm really 30. It just looks like I'm older. But, Lord, forgive me. I didn't mean that. 
But, but there is, there is, there is a change that is going on. My father-in-law is now in January will turn 80 years old. What will Pentecost look like? The last few years, we have lost two elders on the Gulf Coast that was esteemed very highly. And Brother Ray Majors, where Brother Ham now pastors. Brother Hare, where Brother John Hare, his son pastors. Amen. Gone! It looks different. It's the young guys that are preaching. It's the young guys that are pastoring. It's the young guys that are counseling. And I pray to God that somewhere down in my spirit there's still a voice of my old daddy saying, Son, you know the right way. You know the way to do it. You know the way to have church. Because if we're not careful, if we're not very careful, if we're not very careful, the landscape of the entire church changes. Because there's a crowd, and it doesn't matter what the crowd does, it doesn't always mean the crowd is right. Oh, they got a big crowd. They must be doing something right. Joel Osteen pastors one of the largest churches in America. Some 35,000 members. I don't think he's doing it right. He's a good motivational speaker. You're going to get healthy, wealthy, and wise. We're going to have a good day today. This is going to be the best day of your life. The only way it's the best day of your life is if you repent of your sins. Come to an altar of repentance. Be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. Baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. The crowd. The crowd. Let me move on. Now. There is things that has been preached that disturbs me, that bothers me. Amen. That that I I just I, I don't know about. I'm not I'm not comfortable with. I'm I'm a little upset to say the least about some things that I hear. Amen. And just because, let me let me tell you, home mission pastor. It doesn't matter if you have. 25 or 2,500. Amen. You keep preaching the Word. You keep knocking on the doors. You keep praying for the sick. Amen. You don't have to shut down every bar in your town. But what you must do is go to the bar and get one out. And bring them back to the house of God. Go to the honky-tonk and pull one out and bring them back to the house of God. Go to the drug streets and pull one out and bring them to the house of God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Here, the crowd is so powerful. The crowd, it matters what crowd you hang around. 
we find one man that was sick of a palsy. And he had some friends that he was hanging around that said, Hey, man, I've heard of this man, Jesus. Oh, let's go see what Jesus can do. And they got there and the house was so full. In Mark chapter 2, the Bible says there was so many people around the house. And that's a good crowd. But he said they could not get in the door. And his friends that he hung around with said, I'll tell you what we'll do. We're not going to leave you on the outside. We're not going to leave you alone. But we're going to go up to the roof and we're going to tear off the roof. Let me ask you a question today. Is your friends pulling you away from Christ? Or are they taking you to where Christ is? Amen. That will give you some understanding of what kind of crowd that you're hanging around. They tear off the roof and his friends. Listen to what verse 3 says. And they came unto him. Bringing the one sick of a palsy, which was before, born afore. And then in verse number four, and when they, not him, not the one that was sick, but when they, and then the Bible said, they uncovered the roof. Not the one that was sick, but the friends of the one that was sick. The Bible says, and when they broke it up, they let down the bed. I tell you what I want to surround myself with is not a bunch of compromising losers, but I want to surround myself with some saints of God and some ministry of the gospel that believes this Acts 2.38 message, that loves it. Hallelujah! Praise God. And they let him down to where Jesus was. The only time that crowd let the friend down is to get him where Jesus was. I've been around a lot of people that let me down, but it wasn't at the feet of Jesus. So you better be careful what crowd you hang around. A chain is only as strong as the weakest link. There's a wise saying that says, What your friends are today is what you will be tomorrow. Now I want to tell you, I, I, I go back to this. I'm going to go back to it hopefully just this one last time. But young preachers... When I've had, I don't know where you're all at tonight, but you know where you're at. And you know who I'm talking to. But, but when I've had pre, uh, friends, preacher friends, that walked away from this truth of separation. And this truth of baptism in Jesus' name. And the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I don't call them anymore. I don't communicate with them anymore. We don't have anything in common anymore. We're not buddy buddies anymore. You know what brings us together tonight is the gospel.
gospel of Jesus Christ. And what separates us is somebody walking away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to win them back. No, they're going to have you sitting on a little stool preaching. They're going to have you compromising. I would have rather preached something that would make us swing from the, the rafters. I don't guess there's any chandeliers, but, but I tell you, I gotta do what God has laid on my heart. Oh, help us. This is a beautiful crowd tonight. I look at you and I, I I'm amazed. I, man, you got holiness right. You got it going on. You look good. You dress right. You talk right. Amen. You walk right and you spit right. You do everything right. It would be a shame that we would start mingling with the wrong crowd. And we would start marrying. You see, the Lord told the children of Israel, said, you better get rid of them when you come into the promised land. Don't you marry them. Because what's going to happen? You're not going to convert them. They're going to pervert you. I want to tell you today. Oh, God, help me, Holy Ghost. Amen. Somebody needs to wake. God's giving somebody a wake-up call right now. God's trying to get a hold of somebody's heart right now. Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. They fought with those adversaries. They're still fighting with those adversaries. Because they said, oh, we can, we can hold on to this. When they could not hear the ringing in their ear of the voice of Moses, that was, he was gone. They could not hear the ringing, the sound of the voice of Joshua because he was gone. I'm concerned about the weight that would be put on the shoulders of men like myself and men of my age. God, what are we going to do? I pray, elder... Somebody, some way, somehow, wake up this generation. Some way, somehow, young man that has a desire to be something from God, look at these men. Look at their dedication. Look at their consecration. Look at their doctrine. Look at their faithfulness to God. Look at their churches. They didn't have to compromise. The devil's a liar. They didn't have to compromise. The devil's a liar. The crowd. The crowd. The crowd takes you. You put somebody, you ever been in a massive crowd? You ever been in a, a 
crowd of people and it's just, it's just squeezing you. Man, it's just whatever way they move, that's, that's what way you move. Whatever way they go, they go forward, you go forward. They go backwards, you go backwards. They go one way, you go one way. You just, you're at the mercy of the crowd. Whatever door they're going through, that's what door you're going through. Just go with the crowd. Go with the flow. The Bible tells us a very, very sad story about one of the apostles. We know him as a great apostle, Peter. But you see, what happened to Peter was, after, after Jesus was taken captive or give himself over in the Garden of Gethsemane, See, it had been prophesied too by Jesus that you're going to deny me, Peter. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me, Peter. Peter said, no, Lord, I will never deny you. You see, some of you are listening to my voice tonight and saying, what is that crazy guy talking about? We're all right. Everything is good. But I want you to remember there was a screaming man from Texas that told you, you better listen to the Word of God. You better heal the Word of God because the crowd is pulling at you. The adversary is coming for you. Here we find Peter. The Bible said the first thing that he did, he followed Far off. He followed Christ, but as a, at a distance. And then we find in Luke chapter 22, verse number 54, then they took, they, then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. Verse 55, and when they had kindled a fire, in the midst of the hall, and were set down together. Peter sat down among them. Who was Peter sitting down amongst those who were accusing Christ? Those who wanted to destroy Christ. It was not the rest of the great apostles, but he was set down amongst unbelievers. And he began to warm his hands by the fire of the unbelievers. He began to get close to the unbelievers. He looked around and everybody there had fire in their eyes. Everybody there had anger in their eyes. Everybody there had a desire. Kill him. Kill him. Kill him. Slap him. Spit on him. Beat him. Get rid of him. Throw him away. We don't want him. And Peter looked and he says, that's my master. That's my Christ. That's my prophet. That's my Savior. That's my best friend. But as he looked at the crowd, and he looked at the people that surrounded him, one steps up to him and says, I know you. I've seen you somewhere before. Yeah, I know you, young man. You young man, you used to sit on the front row. What you doing here? What you doing in the nightclub? What you doing in this, in this place? What you doing going around with this crowd? Peter wanting to fit in with the rest of the crowd. 
I'm going to talk to you young people just a little bit now. Peter wanting to fit in with the school crowd. Peter wanting to fit in with the, with the, the upbeat crowd says, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know a man called Jesus. I'm just like you. I'm one of you. I, I, I don't know him. gets quiet. Peter said, Woo, I still fit in. Man, I'm still okay. Everything's all right. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes in and says, Yeah. Yeah. You know, you dress like one of them. I seen you in the middle of summertime with long sleeves on. Long pants on. You're one of those old Holy rollers that has the long hair and the long skirt. And you start pulling your skirt up. No, no, not me. Not me. And you start tucking your hair up under where, where it looks like. You didn't cut it, but it looks like you cut it. And you, and you get in your, in your purse and you dig through there and you find a little, a little makeup and you pat on your face. You see, I'm, I'm just like you. Peter said, no, I, I'm just like you. I'm, I'm not one of them. I said, yeah, you're one of them. No, I never, I never knew the man. Then all of a sudden, here comes another in and says, man, you talk like them. It's yes, sir, and no, sir. And yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And you're very polite and you know, you sound just like one of those guys. So in order to identify with the crowd, Peter says, I'm not going to say what Peter said. But Peter began to curse and say, I don't know him. And then one book says, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine the pain, the agony as Peter staggers out? i got to get away from this crowd. I don't belong here. Can I appeal to some young person today? You don't belong to who you're hanging around with. You don't belong to the crowd that you're associating with. You're a child of God. You're a born-again, apostolic, tongue-talking, holy rolling child. The Bible says that Peter staggers through the dark. And he finds him a place to repent. I've got to get away from the crowd. I can't do it in the crowd. I can't be part of the crowd. I can't be persuaded by the crowd. Amen. If you think a crowd is not, not powerful, you let somebody stand up in the middle of this crowd by themselves and start going. And they look around and nobody else is standing up clapping their hands. And I see it all too often and they, they just sit down. The crowd wasn't doing it. You let one stand up and and somebody else stands up and starts doing that. And then somebody, well, I feel pretty good about what I'm doing. But if the crowd ain't doing it, it intimidates you. I want to tell you today, you've got to get in the right 
crowd. You've got to get with the right people. Hallelujah. There's a crowd that hangs around church also that says, don't worship, don't shout, don't lift your hands, don't lift your voice, don't run the aisles. But I come to tell you today, you're in the right crowd. We don't have that crowd here. We come to magnify God. We come to shout. We come to worship. We come to run. We come to have a good time in the Holy Ghost. Amen. You can be seated. I'm, I'm almost. I'm almost done. I see so many young people. My heart goes out to young people. You have so many, so many. The devil has so many avenues to tempt you, to destroy you, to cause you hurt. To cause you damage and destruction for your entire life. Man, I can remember when I was a boy. Now, I'm not that old. But I come up in the 80s. Now, a lot of things has changed since the 80s. Man, about the most devilish thing we could ever get on. About the, about, this, ain't, this, is, this is Texas English right here. About the wrongest thing we could do. Man... My daddy, my daddy was, he, he come over on Noah's Ark. He preached against everything. Man, if it was fun, he preached against it. Unless it was hunting and fishing. I got so sick of hunting and fishing. That's the only thing I could do. But, but man, whew, across the street, they had, they had a convenience store. That had Pac-Man. You put a quarter in that thing and this dude go. Some of y'all don't even know that sound. But some of you from the 80s, you know what what I'm talking about. My daddy preached against that. You couldn't, couldn't do that. You get kicked out of Christian school for that. Which that really wasn't a bad thing. But I can remember, man, that was that was that was wrong, brother. And man, a group of us boys, we're scared to do it by ourselves. But you get three or four of us together, that we were kind of on the edge. And uh, man, we'd go over there, and uh, you had to have a crowd because man, that thing had glass windows up there. Somebody had to be watching. All right, man, it's your turn. You sin a while, and I'll sin a while, and we all sin a while. We was all guilty. The same sin because there was nobody going to tell on each other. But you, you got in the wrong crowd. There's wrong crowds in the church. There, there's, there's, there's people. There's people that's got the wrong motive in mind. Young ladies, have some boys. You don't need to be dating. A good person to ask would be your pastor. 
Amen. Young men, there's some places you better, you better do like Joseph. Just leave your coat and take off running. Because it's going to cause you heartache. It's going to cause you grief. It's going to cause you problems. You better get in the right crowd. Hallelujah. 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 You better look for one that's in the prayer room. You better look for one that's up at the front worshiping. You better look for one that's up at the front saying, Hey, God, use me, God. Use me, God. Use me, God. Oh, that's not the pretty one. I don't care how pretty she is. I don't care how good looking he is. You better get one that loves God. When we go to the crucifixion, And we see what is happening there. We see the angry mob that is there that I've read from my text tonight. What a sad... Man, it almost paints you a picture of society today. People had blood in their eyes. And I can see a crowd gathers around and they... One, one lady there, she's coming, and she says, you know, I was, I was sick with an issue of blood. And he came through my town, and I touched him, and he healed me. I can't say crucify him. One says, I was blind. And he spit on the ground and he rubbed the clay in my eyes. I can't say crucify him. But here we have the leaders of the time and the day, the popular opinion people. The people that was in the know, the people that was had the power, the people that had the ability to make things happen. And they come up to the woman. Now, I'm just using this because I believe without a doubt there were people there that were healed by Christ that was crying out, crucify Him. But the woman is standing there and she's saying, I love Him. He's been good to me. And they look at her. Do you know what we can do? Do you know the power that we have? You cry, crucify Him. And the mob starts chanting. And the crowd starts clapping. And the noise gets louder. And before they know it, I don't want to say it. Have you ever been in a place and the beat is pumping? The music is loud. You're in a restaurant. You don't mean to. But something from the past starts going on. And you realize, I know that song. Before you know it, your foot is tapping. Before you know it, you're popping the top of the table. Before you know it, you're singing along with a song that you thought was long gone. Because you're being enticed by the power and the authority that the crowd has. Crucify Him. Crucify Him. Crucify Him. 
crucify Him. But didn't you tell me He raised your Son from the dead? Yeah. Why are you saying it? I don't know why I'm saying it. Why are you clapping? I don't know why I'm clapping. Just the crowd is going. And the crowd, why are you going that direction? I don't know. How many times, preacher, has you talked to a young person and you look at that blank look in their eye and you say, why are you I don't know why I'm doing it. I don't want to do it. I don't want drugs. I don't want to be an alcoholic. I don't want to be like this one. I don't want to be like that one. But it is the power. It is the authority. And they're being carried by the Pied Pipers that's dragging them down a road of no return. I don't know why I'm clapping. I don't know why I'm jumping. I don't know why I'm walking this direction. Amen. Because it's the power. Here we go to some days later. Jesus has risen from the dead. He takes his disciples. If they had come to the music, I'm just about ready to close. And don't say thank God. That would be rude. <clears throat> that don't mean that I'm done. That means I'm getting there. But, but he said... He said, I, I tell you what I want you to do. You're going to evangelize the world. But first, I want you to go back and tarry at Jerusalem. Peter, can you imagine the feeling that Peter has? Everybody knows what Peter did because they all wrote about what Peter did. They could have left that out of the Bible. They didn't have to put it in there. But people knows your mistakes, and they know your little hang-ups, and they know your problems, and they made mention of it in the Gospels. But I think there was a bigger reason why. Amen. For about this date, some 2,000 years later, God is trying to use an illustration to wake somebody up. Go and tarry in Jerusalem. They're all in the upper room. Acts chapter 2 is just about to happen. They're all waiting, not knowing what they're waiting on. Not knowing what's going to happen. Just something is about to take place. And suddenly, there came a sound... From heaven, as of a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled all the house where there was setting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. They all were speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gave the others. There was people that come in from the outside. When this was noise abroad, saying, what's going on? And what's taking place? What's happening? And they were all amazed, were in doubt. Some saying, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine.
Here they are. They are filled with new wine. Some are mocking. Some are making fun. But the Bible said, But Peter, standing up. What I like to, to say tonight, Peter looked, Brother James, Brother John, and he'd say, Whoo, I'm in the right crowd now. This is not the same crowd that I was in some 50-something days ago. But I done got with the right bunch of people again. I'm in the presence of the men of God. People that love God. And Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said, You men of Judea, And all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you. I'd like to say right here that Peter said, hey, I'm one of them. I want you to know I'm one of them. It makes a difference who you're standing with. It makes a difference who's standing there with you. He wasn't in there warming his hands by the fire of the adversary that was after his soul. But he was back in familiar company with the men of God. And he said, when they asked, what shall we do? He remembered, God gave me some keys. Jesus gave me some keys. It's time to put those keys into that door of salvation. And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It makes a difference, Peter. What crowd you're hanging out with? Crucify him? No, he's been good to me. Deny him? No, 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 not on your life. Change the way that you live. To follow the adversary, not in my time, devil. I might have been down when I come to West Coast Conference. I might have been struggling. I might have had some problems. But I come and I've been in a crowd of people of God that love God, that come to worship God, that come to get close to God. Hallelujah! Jessica! It makes a difference what crowd you're hanging around with. 
young person, before we go tonight, I want to call you one more time. Some of you is in the back. Some of you is way back there. Some of you is trying to get lost in the crowd. But God has called you out tonight. God's talked to your heart tonight. You feel like Peter after denying Christ. How did he know? But God is saying you're still one of them. You need to step out from where you're at. You need to make your way to this front and say, God, I want you. More than I want to fit in with the world, I want you. More than I want the things of the world, I want you. More than I want friends, I want you. Hallelujah. Could I have a parent right now? You know what your teenager's going through. You know what your family's facing. Could I get somebody to lift their voice up to heaven? Oh, God. Oh, God. Break somebody's will. Break somebody's spirit. Bring somebody to the cross tonight. Wake somebody up. I want to cry to go from this place right now. Come on, somebody lift your voice. Somebody's weighing in the balance tonight. God's reaching for someone tonight. If you don't know God and the power of the Holy Ghost, why don't you let, let somebody introduce you to God tonight? Oh, hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, the Holy Ghost is here. Come on, young person. Come on, young preacher. Come on, young parent. Come on, young mama. Come on, young daddy. I got to have God. I've got to get in the right place. I've got to get in the right crowd.